Well, that was some great music and some great scripture reading. I'm fired up already. I'll tell you what. And uh, as uh, Kate's nephew, I am honored to be able to preach at your wedding. Quite an honor for me. Thank you. So, commissioned ruling elder, Dr. Aunt Kathleen Mackey. Did you know that you are one of those people? Usually when people refer to others as one of those people, it's typically meant not in a nice way. Like if someone has a different set of beliefs or convictions or actions than yours, you might say, oh, they're one of those people. Or you might use it for fanatics, people who are really into something and you just don't quite get it. Like those people go down to Graceland every August 15th and stand in a long line on the eve of Elvis's death anniversary. That's one of those people. Of course, when I describe myself as an Elvis fan, I usually separate myself and say, I'm not one of those people. How do you like that? Two minutes in, I already got Elvis referenced. All right. In our culture today, it can be difficult to label ourselves as Christians or followers of Christ or especially as ordained ministers because people often put us in the category of those people. But there's some truth to that statement. As followers of Christ, as people of God, we are at times going to stand out. We are going to look different. And at times, we are going to be those people to some people. In our opening scripture today, in Romans 8, 28 through 30, the word those shows up in each verse. And those is a plural word. So what I share today can be applied to all of us. And I hope this word tonight is encouraging for all of us in this room regardless of our stage of life, regardless of our vocation. But specifically tonight, I'm aiming this message at you, Kathleen. I want you to hear these words as one of those people. So Romans 8, 28 through 30, I'm going to read this again. And now we know that all things work together for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. Kate, I want to remind you tonight of who you are. As one of those people, you have been called. You have been justified. You have been glorified. And you are loved. These are great truths to remember in the ups and downs of ministry. On your best days, this is who you are. You are one of those people. On your worst days, this is who you are. You are one of those people. On a night like this, it seems easy to feel this way. Surrounded by great people, friends, and family members. It's easy to feel that I'm loved on a night like this. 
When you're in the worship center and you hear the great songs and feel the presence of God, it's easy to feel, I am justified. But when the hard times hit, it's not always so easy. And I want to share with you these words for the good days as well as the hard days. As a minister, as a child of God, you will face trouble and you will face opposition. As the words of the 80s rock band Poison stated, Every rose has its thorns. Now, what do you expect from a group called Poison? Positive thinking? <laughs> so, this calling to ministry is a rose. It is beautiful and it is glorious, but it does come with some thorns. When you face those thorns, I want to remind you of these words and encourage you to turn to these words in times of difficulty. On this journey of ministry, there may be times of doubt. And when you face those times of doubt, I want you to remember, you have been called. There may be days when you're trying to preach a sermon, you're trying to teach a lesson, you're trying to lead a group, and you feel totally inadequate. Remember this, you have been called. There may be days when you're criticized for something that you've been done. Remember this, you have been called. Maybe times when your faith goes through some dark valleys, remember this, you have been called. Romans 8.31 says, what then shall we say in response to this? If God is for us, who can be against us? If God is for you, who can be against you? If God has called you, who can take away that calling? Romans 11.29 says, God's gifts and his call are irrevocable. When you face the moments of doubt from within, or doubt from other people, just remember this, you have been called. On this journey of ministry, there may be times when you fail. Know this, you are justified. Verse 30 says, and those he called, he also justified. And justification is God's work, not our work. We are justified in the sight of God because of the shed blood of Jesus on the cross for all of our sins. Past, present, and future, they've all been forgiven forever. In verse 33, it says, who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who is he that condemns? God is not our prosecuting attorney. God is our defender. Our own consciences may make us feel unworthy. Other people may be quick to point out our failures. And Satan's very name means the accuser. His goal is to accuse us. But we have one who justifies us. God is not going to justify and condemn at the same time. God is not a hypocrite and God is not double-minded. Those God predestined, he called. Those he called, he justified. And we are justified in the sight of God. When we fail, it's easy to think we're no longer called. But actually, because we're called, we're justified. While our own consciences or others or Satan will stand before God and condemn us, someone else speaks to God on our behalf. Verse 34 says, who is he that condemns? Christ Jesus who died. More than that, who was raised to life is interceding for us. While Satan may accuse us before God and attempt to get us condemned, Jesus intercedes on our behalf. He says, justified. Verse 32, it says, God did not spare his own son, 
Therefore, because of Jesus and his blood and his resurrection and ascension, we are right with God. You may fail, but remember this. You are justified. There may also be times when you feel plain, ordinary, or unworthy. Remember this. You have been glorified. You may feel your prayers don't bring the miraculous results you were hoping for. You may feel your teachings are just average. You may feel the youth program is not as dynamic as a megachurch could offer. Remember this. You have been glorified. Ephesians 2.6 tells us that we've been raised with Christ and seated with him in the heavenly realms. There's nothing ordinary about that. Sometimes for a season our glory may be hidden. Like a prince who is in the form of a frog. Once kissed by the princess, the prince's glory was revealed. Or the prince who was a beast, but once loved by the beauty, his true glory is revealed. The four children in the Chronicles of Narnia seem like ordinary kids. But in the land of Narnia, they became kings and queens. Their true glory was revealed. There may be times when you don't feel like anything special. But remember, your true self is glorified. And when Jesus returns or, enters into or when you enter into eternity, your true glory will shine. You have been glorified. Finally, there may be times of loneliness or hardship or persecution, but know this, you are loved. Verse 35 says, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? Difficult circumstances are often one of the primary factors in people either doubting that God is good or that God is loving or that God even exists. When people face life's challenges or difficulties or losses, God's love and reality are often questioned. Like the way the New Living Translation says in Romans 8.35, can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? Verse 37, the New Living Translation answers, no. Despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. Overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. One thing I have learned is we need to know where to look to know if we are loved. If we look only to our circumstances to see if we are loved, then we will be on a roller coaster ride. It'll be like a lover who picked flowers. He loves me. He loves me not. He loves me. He loves me not. We have a day like this, you experience all the joy of the friends and the family. He loves me. When you experience a hardship and face a difficulty, he loves me not. If we live our relationship like that with God, our thoughts about God's love will likely be fickle. And so will our response of love to God. Be like a lady who wrote her regrets to her ex-fiancé about breaking their engagement. She writes, Dearest Tommy, 
No words could ever express the great unhappiness I have felt since breaking our engagement. Please say you'll take me back. No one could ever take your place in my heart, so please forgive me. I love you, I love you, I love you. Yours forever, Marie. P.S. And congratulations on winning the state lottery. <laughs> now that the circumstances had changed, all of a sudden her love had changed. We can't be like that with God. There is one consistent place to look. And we sang about in our opening hymn. The cross. Verse 32 again says, He who did not spare his own son. And this resonates with the popularly quoted John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. 1 John 4, 9 and 10. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Thus, we can't look to our circumstances to see if God loves us. We look to the cross. It is at the cross where Jesus once and for all declared, I love you. Not because we had loved him. But we are loved because of the cross. Then we can view our circumstances through the lens of the cross. Romans 8.32 He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not along with him graciously give us all things? Because the cross shows us we are loved, we can view our circumstances through that lens and know that in that time God is working for good. Romans 8.38 and 39 Living Bible state, For I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from his love. Death can't, life can't. The angels won't, and all the powers of hell itself cannot keep God's love away. Our fears for today, our worries about tomorrow or where we are, high above the sky or in the deepest ocean, nothing will be able to separate us from the love of God, demonstrated by our Lord Jesus Christ when he died for us. Kate, no matter what you go through, remember this, you are loved. The cross proves it once and for all. Remember this, that you are one of those people. As one of those people, God works everything together for good. Those he predestined, he called. Those he called, he justified. Those he justified, he glorified. What then shall we say in response to this? If God is for us, who can be against us? God has called you. God has justified you. God has glorified you. God loves you. Amen.